Welcome to the Leanne McCoy podcast. On this podcast, we talk about a lot of things, mostly prayer, but also spiritual warfare, parenting adult kids, and what it's like to be a church lady in an increasingly post-Christian world. This is the place where I contemplate things that are far too wonderful for me. (laughs) Every once in a while, I share interviews with people whose lives have greatly influenced mine and where I always remind you and me that no matter what we're going through, God's got this. I'm Leanne McCoy, and this is my podcast. I thought it would be fun to podcast our way through the Advent season. Last week, we began with one of our three purple candles and the word hope. We discussed how biblical hope is rooted in the faithfulness of God and the truthfulness of His Word. Very unlike our earthly hope, which is rooted in, well, nothing really. This week, we're going to light the second of our purple candles as we contemplate the word peace. This is the second week of the Advent, and peace is our word. Hope was last week, peace is this week, joy is next week, love on Christmas Eve, and then Jesus on Christmas Day. Well, my friends, I hope you did it. Our family did it. We all sat around the table. We ate less than stellar spaghetti. I will never buy that sauce again. But we did enjoy our time together and we shared our devotion. I'm actually posting the devotions on my website if you'd like to go and use them this week. My granddaughters, 12-year-old Misty and 9-year-old River, read the material, and the rest of us interacted when they asked us questions. It was all very special. We hope to gather around pork tenderloin biscuits, roasted potatoes, and steamed broccoli tonight as we discuss peace. After tonight, two of our wicks will be burnt. My prayer for all of us is that come Christmas Day, every wick in your Advent wreath is burnt proving that we have fit this special time into our holiday celebrations. Don't forget that the holidays belong to the Lord. There was a song we sang when I was young. It went like this. I've got peace like a river. I've got peace like a river. I've got peace like a river in my soul. It went on to say I had love like an ocean and joy like a fountain and all those things were in my soul. I like that song, but I've had several personal encounters with rivers that were anything but peaceful. One and probably my earliest memory is when I was in my brownie troop and we took a hike and then spread our little brown bag lunches out on these great big rocks that sat in the middle of a pretty wide, what I guess you'd call a creek. We were just sitting down to begin to sink our teeth into our peanut butter and jelly sandwiches when we heard our leaders screeching at the top of their lungs for us to get off the rocks, get off the rocks, get out of that creek, get out of that creek. And it feels like just as soon as we jumped out of the creek, a great big roar came from upstream. Unbeknownst to us, the TVA had opened the dam that day to release water from the lake that was upstream, and our whole little brownie troop almost got washed away in the rushing water. Another time, I got my guts up. If y'all have listened to me before, you've heard me give credit for that phrase to my daughter, Michael, um, story from long ago. I'm not going to go into it. But anyway, it's a great description, I think, of mustering up your courage. I got my guts up and went whitewater rafting with my youth group. 
This was back in the day when you didn't have a guide in every single raft. The guide was with the group of rafts, and I was in a raft with two college-age girls and another seventh grader. I was in the seventh grade, too. Before we finished our little trek down the not-so-peaceful river, both college-aged girls were injured badly enough to literally leave the riverbank in an ambulance. One had dislocated her knee and the other broke her collarbone. From falling out of that cotton-picking raft and getting squished up next to the rocks, I swore after that day that I'd never go whitewater rafting again. I did muster up the nerve one more time after I was grown and married, but I'm here to tell you that I did not enjoy it and don't ever plan on going whitewater rafting again. All too often, friends, the peace that Jesus came to offer us seems to uh, evade us. Or let me just make it personal. All too often, the peace that Jesus came to offer me seems to invade me, much the same as the peace of those rivers did. But this should simply not be so for those of us who know peace with God. I read a great article online that described perfectly two kinds of peace we get to experience as Christ's followers. The first is peace with God. The second is the peace of God. Let's talk about these two kinds of peace and determine right now that we're going to finish this conversation with everything we need to experience both kinds of peace. To have only one kind of peace that God offers is like having a ticket to get on a cruise ship and not realizing that everything on board is included in that cruise. Instead of enjoying the amenities, the buffets, the shows, you just simply sit back and watch everybody else take full advantage of all the ship has to offer while you sunbathe by the pool and sip on water with lemon because you think you can't afford the amazing food, drinks, and entertainment that everybody else seems to be enjoying. You don't know that it was included in the ticket that got you on the boat. Peace with God and the peace of God are ours in Jesus who is the Prince of Peace. Isaiah 9, 6 says this, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. When the angels announced Jesus' arrival to the shepherds, what did they say? Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among men with whom he's well pleased. The gift of Jesus was a gift of peace. Listen to what the article said about peace with God. Peace with God is an objective peace. It doesn't come from within ourselves. It's not something we obtain. It is something we're freely given. It's a gift from God, a gift given to us by Jesus. Jesus paid the penalty for our sins on the cross. And when we repent and trust in him, he's faithful to forgive us our sins and save us. Jesus absorbed the wrath of God that should have been ours He made peace with God for us, and he gives that peace with God in our salvation. This peace is a fact, not a feeling. It's finished, and it never changes or diminishes. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Prior to Jesus' death, we, the human race, were not at peace with God. We were at odds with him. We were separated from him by our own choice. Our relationship with God was dead. Listen to how the message explains this in that same chapter of Romans, chapter 5, but this time in verses 12 through 21. 
And in fact, um, the message gives the little subtitle over this section of verses, the death dealing sin, the life giving gift. Here I go. You know, the story of Adam, of how Adam landed us in the dilemma we're in first sin, then death, and no one exempt from either sin or death. That sin disturbed relations with God and everything and everyone, but the extent of the disturbance was not clear until God spelled it out in detail to Moses. So death, this huge abyss separating us from God, dominated the landscape from Adam to Moses. Even those who didn't sin precisely as Adam did by disobeying a specific command of God still had to experience this termination of life, this separation from God. But Adam, who got us into this, also points ahead to the one who will get us out of it. Yet the rescuing gift is not exactly parallel to the death-dealing sin. If one man's sin puts crowds of people at the dead-end abyss of separation from God, just think what God's gift poured through one man, Jesus Christ, will do. There's no comparison between that death-dealing sin and this generous life-giving gift. The verdict on that one sin was the death sentence. The verdict on the many sins that followed was this wonderful life sentence. If death got the upper hand through one man's wrongdoing, can you imagine the breathtaking recovery life makes? Absolute life and those who grasp with both hands this wildly extravagant life gift, this grand setting everything right that the one man Jesus Christ provides? Here it is in a nutshell. Just as one person did it wrong and got us in all this trouble with sin and death, another person did it right and got us out of it. But more than just getting us out of trouble, he got us into life. One man said no to God and put many people in the wrong. One man said yes to God and put many in the right. All that passing laws against sin did was produce more lawbreakers. But sin didn't and doesn't have a chance in competition with the aggressive forgiveness we call grace. Don't you love that? Sin didn't and doesn't have a chance in, comp in competition with the aggressive forgiveness we call grace. The aggressive forgiveness we call grace. When it's sin versus grace, grace wins hands down. All sin can do is threaten us with death, and that's the end of it. Grace, because God is putting everything together again through the Messiah, invites us into life, a life that goes on and on and on, a world without end. When we receive this extravagant life-giving gift that Jesus offers us through his death on the cross and resurrection from the dead, we have peace with God and eternal life. The God who breathed life into our lungs gives us eternal life through the life of his son, Jesus Christ. Don't you love that? What a great trans, I don't know what you call that, a trans, uh, nope, paraphrase, call it a paraphrase of the scripture, but a great telling of the extravagant life-giving gift that Jesus gave us, and that was, that gift is peace with God. No longer does the grip of sin hold us in its, um, in its grip. Does sin hold us in its grip? No longer is death the end of us. Now we have reconnection with God, peace with God, and therefore life eternal with him. But there's this other kind of peace, and that is the peace of God. And um, here is what that website that I found, found uh, about the, said about the peace of God. Peace of God is sub a subjective peace. We have it when we experience the peace that comes through trusting Jesus. This peace is also given to us by God, and it produces in us a feeling of well-being. Having peace with God, we know that we have the Holy Spirit 
and that Jesus's grace is sufficient in all things. Therefore, when we keep our eyes on Jesus and we rightly remember who he is, what he has done for us, and who we are in him, we experience the calm and peace of resting in him. That is how we receive the peace of God. Sadly, when we allow anxiety and fear to set in, our peace dwindles and our joy is diminished. Hmm. This morning, I led prayer time for our church staff. It's a privilege that I have had to lead our staff in prayer every Tuesday morning. We're rejoicing this morning as we circled up. We're rejoicing over an answer to prayer that is unfolding right now. One of our pastors and his wife have been praying for a baby for years. And yesterday, that baby, their baby daughter was born and we got to see pictures and we're praying them through the details of this adoption. And so... It was with that joy kind of in our spirits that we circled up in this sacred time. We realized at the end of our prayer time that it's the last time we'll have this prayer time during the year 2023 with our staff. Um, And um, as a group of people who love Jesus, who serve him vocationally and are all growing in our faith, we find ourselves, though, where the disciples must have also found themselves a lot of the time. Somewhere in between, I can't believe he just did that. And oh dear, what's going to happen now? During our prayer, we envisioned ourselves living with the disciples and experiencing the things they experienced with Jesus. I invited everyone to share what the Holy Spirit brought to their minds and um, just to share any of the biblical encounters that we have recorded in scripture, imagining that you were there with them and then sharing why that was important to you. And this is what came to my mind. And I'm going to read the scripture that comes out of Matthew chapter eight. Then Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. Suddenly a fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him up shouting, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. Another verse says, don't you care if we drown? Jesus responded, why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Then he got up and rebuked the wind and the waves, and suddenly there was great calm. The disciples were amazed. Who is this man, they asked. Even the winds and the waves obey him. You see, Jesus is so many times in the boat with me, seemingly sleeping. In fact, there are times that the only reason I'm in the boat is because Jesus invited me for a ride. But then the storms come. The wind and the waves, they threaten to swamp my boat and sink me in the turmoil of the sea. And I'm seriously, seriously (laughs) disturbed. Why? Because I'm wet and afraid. I'm slipping and I'm sliding and I can hardly catch my breath. Why am I disturbed? Because Jesus is asleep. Why don't he wake up and do something? How can he be sleeping at a time like this? But then when I wake him up, He rebukes me before he rebukes the wind and the waves. The storm is still raging. And Jesus says, Leanne, why are you afraid? You have so little faith. And with that, he reminds me that I've been given the peace of God when I made peace with God. If I'm not exercising the peace he's given me, that's on me. I'm not sure what that might have looked like for the disciples that day in the boat. Maybe they could have woke Jesus up sooner. Oh, that wind looks like a storm's brewing. Philip, go wake Jesus. We need him to send those clouds away, one of them might have said. Or maybe with the first wave crashing into the boat, 
Hey, Bart, I don't want to get wet tonight. Do you get Jesus? He can take care of this. <laughs> then even if Jesus didn't calm the storm right away, they could have danced in the storm. I'll never forget my daughter, Michael, and her friend, Kimberly, putting on those goggles as they belted out, I'm singing in the rain. Another great song that life wouldn't be the same without, motions and all, while I watched our Bahamian friends to see if I should be afraid of the wind and waves that were soaking us and tossing our little whaler about. Peace. It's kind of like those gifts we give that have some assembly required. And the great thing is that the Bible gives us the step-by-step instructions on how to implement the peace of God that we can have in all of life's circumstances. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. You recognize that verse from Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, step one. Step two, lean not on your own understanding. Step three, in all your ways acknowledge him. And the result being, he will direct your path. (laughs) It goes completely contrary to new age way of thinking which teaches people this, trust yourself with all your heart, lean deep into your own understanding in all your ways, invest in the mystery of love and all the goodness that you'll find within, and you will create your own path. You will manifest it into being so. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. Ah, because we do not carry everything to God in prayer, which brings us to this great New Testament verse about peace. Be anxious for nothing or don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which surpasses or transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. My friends, when you pray, remember to partner each request with thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord, for doing this before when you and Tell the Lord how he did it before. Thank you, Lord, for being faithful to watch over your word to perform it. When you pray that phrase, you're literally praying Jeremiah 1, 12, the phrase that we put on every one of our prayer cards for the prayer clinics to use. Thank you, Lord, that I have the presence of mind to pray this prayer and that you put this request in my heart. Oftentimes when I pray, I think of the verse that says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. I genuinely believe that when we're following after the Lord, when we're dedicated to him, when we're trusting in him and leaning not on our understanding, that the desires that we have, even those that just ache in our physical bodies, those desires are given to us by the Lord so that we could step in to the place of intercession, which mysteriously completes a connection. We become a conduit of sorts for the glory of God to pour through our prayers into the lives of the people we're praying for. So thank you, Lord, that I have the presence of mind to pray this prayer and that you put this request in my heart. Thank you, Lord, for answering this prayer in your good time for your good reasons and for sustaining me until you do. (laughs) This is a good way to thank God when you're wishing that he would answer your prayer yesterday, not tomorrow. And my friends, when you choose to be anxious for nothing, to pray about everything with thanksgiving, the result of what you do partnered with the mercy and grace of God is that you will experience peace that's sourced in him, not in your circumstances or other people. And his peace is, 
the peace of God will guard your heart. That's your feelings and your mind. That's your thoughts until things change, until God answers this prayer. You know this song about peace. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. But do you know the story behind that song? I'm going to share it with you. In November 1873, Horatio Spafford sent his wife and four daughters on the French ship Villa de Havre from their home in Chicago to a vacation in France, planning to set out a few days later himself. Somewhere in the Atlantic, the Villa de Havre collided with a British ship coming the other way and sank in just 12 minutes. Of his family, only Spafford's wife survived. Spafford took the next boat over, and as he passed the spot where the ship went down, he began to write, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll. And he continued until he had the text, It is well with my soul. His good friend Philip Bliss composed the tune for his words, naming it after the ship Villa du Havre. In this hymn, Spafford has given all of us words of comfort and assurance in times of physical and spiritual crisis, paraphrasing those familiar words of Julian of Norwich, and all shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. I'm going to close today's podcast on peace by reading, not singing all the words to this song. As I read them, listen for the progression of our experience with both kinds of peace that belong to us, the peace with God and the peace of God that one day will culminate with the Prince of Peace ruling and reigning all that is. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. That verse is when we find ourselves in situations where what we are experiencing is contrary to what feels good. And then the frame, of course, you know, it is well, it is well with my soul, with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. 
My friends, no matter what comes your way, no matter where you find yourself now, Jesus Christ has already regarded your helpless estate and he has shed his own blood for your soul. There is nothing that can take away our peace with God. When Jesus said it is finished, he meant it is done. And then verse three, my sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. It's like Spafford had to just pause right there and rejoice a minute to celebrate the victory on the cross that is this done deal in our lives. And then the last verse, O Lord, haste the day when my faith shall be sight. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend. Even so it is well with my soul. Isn't that great? What a great and promising song declaring the peace that belongs to us in Christ Jesus. I just finished reading all of the Left Behind books. Well, I have to take it back. I didn't read like the three precursor books they did to prior to the rapture because, and I spent what, 20 something books waiting for the, for the glorious return of Jesus. And I absolutely loved how Jerry Jenkins and Tim LaHaye portrayed the parting of the clouds and the coming of Jesus and all the majesty and the glory and the like, like beyond ourselves experience of what that would be like. And then how personal when Jesus got here, how personally he related for, to everyone. And it was like millions of people at one time. It's just beautifully, beautifully portrayed. If you don't want to read all of the left behind books, they're a good read. They're a lot of fun. They're interesting. <laughs> they're long. You think it's going to take forever for those seven years to be over because so many horrible, bad things, terrible, bad, no good, very bad things happen but they're all for the glory of God. But if you want to just get a glimpse of what that day might be like, just read The Glorious Appearing, the very last book, and um, enjoy. But I almost feel like you're not going to enjoy it as much if you don't have to go through the laborious task of reading all the other books first. But anyway, I absolutely loved how Jesus's return was portrayed. Oh, Lord, haste the day when my faith shall be sight. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. Lord, we trust you. We do. We understand that our own understanding is foolishness because we don't see what you see and we don't know what you know. So we're just simply not going to lean into our own understanding. In all our ways, we acknowledge you. You are the creator and sustainer and redeemer of life. Now, Lord Jesus, make our paths straight and gird us with the peace that surpasses all understanding. That peace that we have that is ours. <laughs> we got it when we got the ticket to get on the boat because that peace is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Thank you, Lord, for sending Jesus to die for us. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for us and for resurrecting from the dead and securing for us both peace with God and the peace of God. Oh God, let us experience that during this holiday season and throughout our lives. It's in your precious and your holy and your powerful and your peace filled name we pray. Amen.
Thank you as always for listening to my podcast as your Christmas activities continue to fill your calendars. I pray that peace will prevail in your home. I pray that you will dedicate the time and space to experience it. As always, I want to encourage you to share this podcast with a friend who might need to be reminded that their peace with God also includes the amazing privilege of experiencing the peace of God, no matter what's going on in your life, because God's got this, right? God's got this. Oh, I look forward to sharing some joy with you next week. And you know what I was thinking about is I just said, God's got this. We have a few items that you could buy and give to your anybody that needs to be reminded. One is a beautiful God's got this coffee mug. And um, it's a reminder for those of us in the prayer clinic, always, no matter what it is we're praying about, that God's got it and he's taking care of it. And he is just as certainly responding to our prayers as we are praying them. So we got these coffee mugs, we've got these bracelets, these God's got this um, bracelets. We've also got prayer cards. That would that would be a really cool gift to give out to the people that you love. Anyway, go check all that out in my store at theprayerclinic.com. You can also still get your, um, what are we calling it? The Trust Him More gift box. Go check that out on my Leanne McCoy website. But just once again, thank you for listening today. I hope that you are enjoying these, um, the busyness of this month and that you really are taking some time and space to drink in the peace that is ours. Lord, peace with God and the peace of God over all that's going on. I look forward to talking to you next week.